This is Gareth Southgate, and this is the Three Lions Podcast. Welcome to the Three Lions podcast. My name is Russell Osborne and this, as you know, is an independent England supporters podcast. Now, as England supporters, we all have different ways of supporting the team, making the games as fun as possible, be it cheering, chanting, dressing up, different supporters group, be it Block 109, Three Lions Pride group, supporters football teams, or there's those who blog or vlog. And I guess I should include myself in that too. However, the one thing we do it all is the one aim of getting behind the team and hoping they succeed. And another one is, of course, the England Band. I'm not sure I've ever aired my thoughts on this podcast, but some of my friends will know them. I suppose I may come across as, I don't know, maybe a little hypocritical here, but I thought, well, we're all England fans, aren't we? But a while back, I posted on the England Supporters Facebook page about supporters' memoirs in book form. I've read a couple, wanted to see if there were any more. Turns out there are eBay, Amazon, and all of a sudden my postman is making regular deliveries of books. And one of them was Playing for England, The Early Years. It's about The England Band by John Hemingham. Fun read, similar stories that we all have about following England. And it kind of gave me a little different perspective on it all. So I've invited John onto the podcast to tell us a little more about it. John, hello there. Hi, Russell. How are you? Thanks for having me on. I'm all right, thanks. Yeah, you yeah, appreciate welcome. you getting in touch and stuff. Nah, very welcome. As I say, um, I think it's, perhaps I need to maybe open my ears, open my uh, eyes a little bit more to yourselves. I mean, I, I've, I'm fully aware of you guys in the uh, in the Wembley Arena and and being on away games. I've seen you outside. Where do I remember you? Outside playing outside Elland Road there and, and various places I've I've come across you but I've never said hello so uh, yeah hello welcome yeah well feel free we we don't bite we're all right we're just like everybody else <laughs> well I mean yeah the- yeah obviously we've been we've been everywhere over the last twenty five years so you've really seen us yeah yeah and so I mean as I say, I've read the book it, it takes us up to what was I think two thousand so I know I know a little bit but come just just. Tell us a little bit more. How, how did it all start for those that perhaps don't know? It all started just for a laugh, basically, at club level with uh, Sheffield Wednesday. When, when I was a kid, I learned the bugle in the in the Cubs. Uh, still playing it to this day, and including the last post last week. If that dates the podcast, I'm sorry about that. But right. Yeah, still doing it. So I learned the bugle when I was a kid, so that's like seven, eight years old, and then uh, just left it till I was 30. And then uh, bought myself one for a laugh at Christmas and took it to a match, which was uh, Sheffield Wednesday, was my club, against uh, Everton away. Right. And uh, went on a minibus with the lads and sneaked it up the jumper, took it into the ground. We were winning 2-0 uh, away at Everton, which was great. Mark Bright and Carlton Palmer scored the goals. A header from Carlton Palmer, very unusual. And 10 minutes to go and the lads are saying, go on, get, get it out, get it out. And I thought, well... You know, we, I didn't know if I'd get chucked out or what had happened. So I thought there's only 10 minutes left. Uh, got it out and uh, played the fanfare to Aida, which is uh, the bit before, do, 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 which is what Wednesday sing when, when we score. Right. Uh, all over the continent as well. And 
So I did that and the crowd went mad. And then it was, you know, do it again, mate, do it again. So I did it again and they weren't mad. And obviously winning 2-0 uh, was, was great. So I thought, thought nothing more of it. I thought that would be it. Uh, but Trevor Francis was the manager of Wednesday at the time. And he'd been manager at Sampdoria in Italy where they have the drums and all the rest of it. And he, uh, he decided to find me. Uh, so he put an appeal out on the radio saying, you know, mystery, mystery bugler, can he come? And I sort of hid for a couple of weeks. And then it was in the paper, you know, local paper. Can you find the mystery sort of bugle? Anyway, they found me. And uh, I actually got a phone call and I was in the bath. And it was uh, it was over the Christmas holiday period. Right. And <laughs> I don't know that I take the phone to the bath, by the way, but I'm in the bath and the, the phone goes. Trevor Francis says, how would you like to form a band? You know, and then... The chairman who, of Wednesday was Dave Richards, later chairman of the FA. He, he phoned up and said, you know, if you've, if you've got any mates, how do you fancy, you know, Trevor's keen on this former band? So I had a word with the lads, you know, about 10 of us who had season tickets and uh, they said, oh, I, I, won't, I won't mind banging a drum and I won't mind blowing this. And, and uh, anyway, cut a long story short, we did it. And um, because it's driven by passion and the will to spur the team on and support them, it, it worked. Yeah. Uh, and we got guys and uh, Murray, who's the, the main drummer that everybody will see and know as well, probably. Uh, he'd never banged a drum in his life. He uh, took to it, obviously. And we went on our merry way for three years, went to Arsenal away, just the two of us. Progressed to trumpet then because uh, you can play more notes on a trumpet than a bugle so you can do more tunes. Right. We sort of touched on this before we started the podcast about Sheffield Wednesday and Arsenal <laughs> rivalry. So uh, we... Uh, We'd, we'd beaten Arsenal at home, uh, not a problem, but never beaten them away in my lifetime. Still haven't. And we're winning 1-0 at Highbury. So there's a group midweek, uh, a group of us, I don't know, maybe 1,500, something like that, going wild because we've, we're winning at Arsenal. <laughs> uh, unbeknown, unbeknown to me, uh, there's Glenn Hoddle in the stand, obviously watching the players. Because, <laughs> of course, Glenn Hoddle was England manager at the time then. England manager at the time, and he's watching the players and uh, as, as they do. He was he was watching us as well, and we we're going crazy. There's no happy ending. We lost four <laughs> one, but the next day uh, I got a phone call from David Davis, who was the chief executive of the FA at the time, if you remember. And he he said, um, you know, is this John? Yeah, John. Yeah, Glenn Hoddle's asked me to give you a call. How would you like to play for England? Well, I was on uh, I was on the M62 at the time, yeah, and I had to pull over, welled up, uh, tear in my eye, pulled over and. He explained, you know, he'd seen us at Arsenal, loved the passion and all the rest of it. Would he do it for England? Would we ever? You know, yeah. fantastic. So um, so we said, yeah, you know, we, we would. Uh, obviously, we've been to England games before anyway. But we said, you know, we're not plastic fans, if you like. You know, we we, uh, we do we do home and away. That was that. Fund ourselves, which we do. They said, fine. You know, they'd look after us in the position in the ground and that kind of thing. And, and off we went. First game was... Uh, against Poland, the old Wembley, of course. It seems like a lifetime away now, because it was, you know, it was 96, just after the Euros. Right. Um, and Glenn Noddle's first game. I mean, before that, we'd had, uh, we didn't realise, and uh, we should have done, but we didn't realise how big it is, uh, you know, England and the interest in England. Because if you think, you know, every, every Newcastle, Sunderland, Man United, Man City, Wednesday, United, Arsenal, Tottenham fan is an England fan, and multiply that by all the all the divisions, all the leagues, and everybody who ever, ever kicked a ball. That's the the amount yeah. of the fan base. So, I mean, the press bombarded us, you know, with stuff. So um, playing at playing at Wembley for that first time 
was what did you say 96 time had you yeah. been to Wembley as as a Wednesday band before did you know like the the surroundings and and the atmosphere that you could be no we'd never we never been with Wednesday but we'd been as normal fans before mm. you know if you like um, you know the Scotland game the one after the invade of the pitch we been to that been to uh, England Argentina England Holland and and a few more before but never obviously with a with a trumpet and drums and stuff. Yeah. So it was all new, and it was all new to the fans as well. And it's uh, it's a harsh environment on that terrace, as you know. Yeah. You know, there's no no uh, punches held back, shall we say, verbally or or any otherwise. But we're we're proper fans, simple yeah. as that. You know, we're we're hardened fans, and we know the crack, and we know the banter, and we know the sort of protocol and everything else. And uh, we knew going on the terrace that we were going to get some wag. Giving us a go and still do, nice. uh, but we dropped in front of some Millwall fans, which right. <laughs> which that, was uh, how did you know they were Millwall fans? Were they coloured up? Because they, they were singing uh, singing celery songs and things like that. Gotcha. <laughs> so, so it's a bit of a giveaway, yeah. yeah. In front of them, and we're playing away, and you can imagine. Um, and one of them came down and nicked one of the drummer's sticks, right? Uh, who uh, was a bit a bit more timid than I am, and a couple of other lads and. Uh, didn't didn't want to go and get it back, so uh, we we went and got it back. Simple as that, and uh, and gained a bit of respect. And off we went, and we we were, went one nil down then, and we were so keen for it to go well, you know, banging away and blowing away, and we thought, oh no, you know, it's uh, we're one nil down, and uh, there is a, a happy ending to this. One one two one, Alan Shearer dug us out. That was the beginning, you know. Right. We I mean, obviously the reaction on the terraces you, you mentioned there, but did it? Were people all of a sudden more aware of you guys then for just through that first England game? Yeah, I mean, the, uh, obviously the first time it's it's a new novel thing and it's mm. a bit of a bit of a thing. It was pre-social media and all the rest of, of it, which might, might have been a good thing. But it was all over the papers. The, the the sun came to my house and took photos of us, and we were looking for the looking for the article in the paper starting at the front, which sports fans and football fans never do, do they? We always start at the back. Yeah. Should have started at the back because it was the full back page. Really? Um, and it was Glenn's Band of Hope and Glory, which is <laughs> which was quite funny. So, Have you got that um, framed somewhere? Uh, I've got it. No, not framed. I've got it somewhere in the loft, I think, in a, yeah. in a box. But yeah, I've got, I've got it somewhere. You know, yeah. it's, uh, it was, it was quite a thing to be honest. Uh, but we never, we never saw any publicity or anything like that. We didn't know, how to do it, what to do, or or whatever, and uh, and we've come a cropper with the press before and dodgy journalists and things like that. Um, recently in Russia with the Independent uh, stitching us up, which was a bit nasty, but there we go. Yeah, on you say that there's just a, a couple of you to to start with, and and it's grown. I'm looking at the the book here. There's how many? Two, four, six, eight of you on the front there. I mean, yeah. How, how many of you guys regularly go and how many have there been? And I mean, you must almost be like the, uh, what is it? The, is it the sugar babes or something? Whatever. So many different members. <laughs> That's the first. I've never been like to, the, like to them before. Uh, yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's like any other thing, you know, you get people who join and we, we can be a bit harsh to be honest sometimes as fans, because uh, like any group of fans, if you fit in, you, and, and group of mates, if you fit in, you fit in, and if you don't, you, you sort of drift away. And we've had right. that happen. We've we've probably had about I don't know forty or fifty people come and really? go. Um, sadly, we had uh, uh, Bram, I think, who was on the picture on the book, um, who joined us when he was 70, 78, I think. Um, right. He died a couple of years ago. 
saxophonist, fantastic fella. Mm. Great stories about him. Uh, one in one in France, particularly where uh, I don't know if you've read the book where he was he decided to dance on the tables, but uh, there was a guy <laughs> he got one, on one table and one on the other, yeah, and he ended up going through the gap. Uh, you know, eighty odd. He, he was a bank manager all his life. When bank managers were all stayed and straight, and mm. you know, white collar tie up to the top, all of that, and uh, his family thought he'd gone mad <laughs> when he joined us <laughs> and he was doing all these things. Anyway, he fell down, did his knee in, and. Uh, He's saying, don't tell the wife, but uh, unbeknown to him, there was a load of reporters all around. <laughs> and uh, and he appeared on the, uh, and finally on ITN with Trevor, Trevor McDonald. Oh, really? And finally, there's an, England, there's an injury to the England squad, but it's not, you know, it's not the team. It's, it's Bram, Bram Denton, 81 of whatever. <laughs> and uh, he's saying, don't tell the wife. The next thing he's on, he's on the news at 10, you know, so no, very no. funny. <laughs> but yeah, there's there's been a lot come and go through the years. There's a hardcore of probably six, seven who have stuck through thick and thin. But the the sort of attendance reflects the whole England support, really. There's some like myself, uh, Murray on the drum will go to every single game regardless. Yeah. And then there's others who uh, will do as many as they can, but work commitments, that kind yes. of thing. And there's some that only do the home games. So it's, yeah, it's a fair reflection of the support. The, the one thing that we root out very quickly is if you're, not a, if you're not a fan, if you're not a proper fan and you're doing it for the right reasons, you, you don't last very long. It's simple as that. You know, if you've got the passion and you want to support the team and, uh, and you're doing it purely for that, that's, uh, that's, all, that's fine by us. Quality comes second, as everybody will know. I was uh, going to say, because you're, you're <laughs> not exactly, well, I, I say it in the, in the nicest possible way, you're not proper yeah. musicians. No. And I, having we, said that, you've, you've done a, a fair few records, though. We, we have, yeah. I mean, we, we have had proper musicians, and they, they can't do it. They don't know what to do. They don't know when. Because we're just like the guy who starts a chant off anywhere, you know. Mm. And uh, we, have a, we have a phrase when somebody you know, says that kind of thing to us. We say, well... You know, you're not Pavarotti. We're not judging your singing on the terrace, <laughs> and uh, and we're not the Halle Orchestra. You know, but we but we are absolutely bang on it, creating an atmosphere and support, and and so are the guys who start the chants and everything else. Yeah. So yeah, uh, but yeah, we've done uh, as a sort of byproduct a, a few records and had a lot of fun with it. Yeah, yeah, we have. You must have met a few people on the way. Well, that's that's another thing uh, which which has been fun. Uh, we've met all kinds of people. Um, and just on the records, we've um, we got a call in uh, uh, in the nineties uh, before uh, France ninety eight from Richard Branson, uh, which is a which is a, a funny one because every time he every time he makes a call, his secretary has to ring first because everybody says, "Nah, get away!" Was it really? You know, he's no, you're not Richard Branson. Who are you? So he, he's he got fed up of having that that conversation every time. So his secretary phones and says, "You're going to get a call from Richard Branson." And lo and behold, we did. And uh, he said, you know, would we sign for his record label and uh, all the rest of it? He did say, you know, when you're down in London, come for lunch. But that never happened. Right. <laughs> but, uh, so, yeah, I mean, we, we did. And we made uh, the Great Escape record with, uh, with a video at City Airport and all over the place, uh, which was a, a fun thing for us. Jeff Hurst was in the, in the uh, yeah. video, so we met Jeff. Paul Walsh and, and a few others. Uh, Stan Bowles as well. And it was just just good fun and an eye-opener for us because we obviously we never thought we'd do anything like that or, or ever be in anything like that. We just treat it as a laugh. 
and we still do, to be honest. We have no ambitions to be, uh, you know, the next pop stars or whatever. And so we just treat it as a laugh and, and we had a, a, a real scream with it. Um, are, you, are you still technically signed to Virgin Records or V2, whatever they are? Or did you uh, get your cut off? Well, we've, we've never made any money out of any record ever. Really? <laughs> so whether that's because I don't know how to claim the royalties or whatever, I don't know. But yeah, and we've done, and we did that one. Then we did um, we did the Three Lions remix, Trevor Horn, the Buggles guy. Yeah. What a laugh he had because he... Uh, he usually gets serious musicians in, and uh, and he got us in. And was he aware and, uh, of you guys? And sorry, was he aware of you guys? Yeah, he was. Yeah, you? yeah, he was like aware that. of us. And we walked into his studio, and uh, Robbie Williams was coming down this down the stairs. You know, like, well, hey, Robbie, all right, <laughs> you know. So, but he he usually uh, and he said this afterwards. You know, usually has to, you know, people have got egos and, and they want it absolutely to be bang on and all the rest of it. And we were just playing away and having and having fun. And in the end, he came out of his studio and joined in, having a laugh with us in the end, which was fabulous. And we got the photos and everything else. But yeah, we did that. We did that one. Uh, we did um, We're On The Ball, which was my idea for uh, Ant and Deck. They did it. Um, and We're On The Ball, which um, Danny Baker used to get. Because um, Danny Baker had us on his six or six show. Yeah. I can't speak highly enough of, of Danny. He was, he's a... Uh, He's a proper fan, obviously Millwall fan again. There's a Millwall theme going on here. <laughs> uh, Millwall fan, but you know we went to, went out for a drink with him after after we'd done the show and talked about previous games and characters on the terrace and things like that. And both both a similar era, and we knew exactly you know the games and the scorers and everything else. Uh, genuine fan, and he just said, "If any time you're passing, you know in London, come on six or six. And we we tried it one time after West Ham away. And yeah, let us straight in the studio and we were in having a laugh. And Did he? Brilliant. Yeah, and from that week, uh, Danny, Danny has um, uh, worked with uh, Chris Evans on TFI Friday. Yeah. So we ended up on TFI Friday twice as well, which, is, wow. which was a laugh. They dressed us as nuns one time. But, um, again, just just for fun, you know, it was just yeah. uh, just an absolute scream. So we did that. Then, we, then uh, I got a call from Chaz Smash from Madness. Right. Wanted wanted to do a record and uh, you know all these strange people that actually uh, it sounds a bit daft this but they're just like you and I just exactly you know as everybody else is uh, there's this uh, sort of myth about celebrities you get your good ones your bad ones and like everybody else so just smash phones up can we do this record yeah we did it uh, went down to to his studio and uh, the guys said we thought we thought they were mad until you lot came down. <laughs> Because <laughs> uh, we did um, the record, and then we did a version of uh, "Streets of London" in Yorkshire, uh, in Yorkshire accents. Because I play the piano as well, and, we, and they were they were just on the on the floor rolling around laughing. If anybody ever gets hold of that, that is a very very funny thing. Oh, okay, I have to have um, a look out for that one. Yeah, so we did that, and then we done uh, one with Chris Kamara. Chris Kamara, what a laugh he is! He's another great guy, and he did uh, "You're Just Too Good to Be True." with him and and then a couple of our own which which again were great fun one uh, called Kabanga which we shot in 48 locations all over the country in in three days wow uh, well, I've never been as tired in my life <laughs> but again that, that was a really good one and good fun with a guy just an ordinary fan called Paul Chelsea fan who'd written it and um, he somehow got the people on board who did the meerkat thing which was uh, one of our best wind-ups for one of the lads came from that absolutely hilarious where 
after the after we'd done everything, we had him on that they wanted him to become the human meerkat. They were going to do a, a human version, and he was hook, line, and sinker, taken in by it. Uh, we had him going to auditions in Manchester, <laughs> and uh, we always booked these auditions when there was a game uh, or or something that we were doing, and they had to phone me up. We'd already set it up and tell me why he couldn't come. And it was never because I'm going to be the human meerkats, because we told him to be, <laughs> we told him uh, to keep it secret. Uh, the studio said it mustn't get out. So he was telling us he was going to his uncle's daughter's wife's christening in Bridlington <laughs> when, when he's supposed to go into this interview. <laughs> hilarious, absolutely hilarious. I mean, because reading the book, you, you guys get up to, uh, I, I don't know, is, is mischief the right word or, or some some funny things? Uh, the One of the good ones I, I saw was when you were were racing airport trolleys around a car oh. park after after kipping the night in a, uh, in a van. And all of yeah. a sudden, there's a, a lot more England supporters were joining you for some sort of trolley Grand Prix. That was it, yeah. It was a car park in Sweden. Right. And there was, there was an island in the middle, and it just lent itself to this airport trolley Grand Prix. Which, and uh, the, the, it was really foggy, and the flights had been delayed. So there's like loads of England fans, nothing to do. And uh, we, we'd got this minibus. We couldn't find the hotel because it was so foggy. And uh, it was freezing, absolutely freezing. So uh, we thought we've got to get out and warm up. So we, we had this trolley Grand Prix around this island in the car park. And I, loads of England fans came out with a trolley and we're doing this trolley Grand Prix around the thing. There were people going over the top of the trolleys and, and, and people in them shoving them and all the rest of it. It was a sight to behold, actually. And then we all calmed down. We got back in the minibus, freezing to death, and we ended up, two West Ham fans had come in with us. They had to leave because... Uh, to be honest, the, the number of farts in the van had gone had got too much for them and they'd, they'd, uh, they couldn't stand it anymore. So they went out and we, we sat in the van and we get a knock on the on the side of the door. And we're like, well, it's not, you know, like three in the morning, uh, freezing cold in Sweden. Another knock, like, oh, I'll have a look, open the door. Two policemen. And there's, there's this empty car park with about 300 spaces in it and we'd parked in the police-only car parks. <laughs> and, and they said can you move your van you're in our space so we had to move it one space to the left uh, when there's all these other things there so we did that moved it woke up in the morning if, if any of us got any sleep and we thought we'll go and find some breakfast so we went out of the car park turned left and left again and found the hotel that we should have been in the night before so sore. I mean <laughs> I guess was that pre sort of social media days where no one would have had a uh, like a video of you guys racing around a uh, car park? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. It was all it was all uh, that would be like ninety nine, I think, something like that yeah. um, when we did that. And yeah, it was it was all pre social media and, and stuff. You know, phones were quite novel. Yeah. <laughs> but then another one in Germany, and uh, we got we got Bernie Clifton joined the band. You know, yeah, I read that. Yeah, yeah. And uh, again, another test. Not. You know, we're not having you burn if you just want him to resurrect your career or whatever. And anyway, he's mad as a box of frogs. He is. is he? Uh, and his first, his first time, we uh, were having a meal in a restaurant in in Germany, and uh, we'd finished, and he's just gone to the toilet. So I had a word with the owner, and said, "Look, we're all going to go round the corner like we've done a runner. We'll pay you now." He's in the toilet. When he comes out, will you just do your best? your best run in German at him that we've all done a runner and he's got to pay the bill. 
So we're around the corner. It's his first trip. This he's oh, not no. not sure what we're like. And and this guy, big massive German guy, talk about winning Oscar for his performance. He's also blasted into him, and he's like, "Oh, oh, I'll pay, I'll pay, no problem, I'll pay, I'll pay." And he's like, "Ah, yeah, England, and all." He's going like, we're in stitches around the, and then obviously we came back around the corner. Hilarious. I mean, just just going back to what you said about the the records where you'd made no money from it. I mean, I guess one of the things that people may say, sort of, I guess there may have some sort of preconceptions about you guys that I don't know. The you've had been sort of sponsored by is it Pucker Pies and and the Sun as well have obviously given you sort of a leg up here and there. I mean, how do you sort of sort of react to that? People saying that you're, you're funded to to go to England games. Yeah, well, we. Uh... We've learned a lot over the years. And um, the reason why we sort of took that route was uh, because some of the lads just couldn't afford it. Right. Um, and lasses. Uh, they just couldn't afford to go. You know, they could do the home games, no problem. But they couldn't. They just didn't have the money to go to the away games. So we thought, well, what can we do to try and help the situation and get along? And the, the whole idea being that there's more of us, there's more noise and more support. And, you know, it works. And if we have to do a bit of sponsorship work, then fine as well, you know. So yeah, we did uh, we did a bit with the sun. That was, uh, I mean, that was quite a funny phone call. Not dodging your question for a minute, but that was that was great when uh, I got the phone call first. How would you like to go to uh, uh, you know the World Cup in France, which we're going anyway, and spend a fortnight in the south of France on a double, top double decker bus with Melinda Messenger? I mean, no one's really going to say no, are <laughs> they? Well, you can imagine I had to do that phone call about ten times to the lad. It was it was like, like shut up. You know? <laughs> so that was that was great. You know that was fine. And then uh, the book of pies thing was uh, was all right. I mean they're football related, and obviously uh, you know who don't like a pie. And again, it just helped get people to the games who couldn't who couldn't really afford it. We we don't do it now because we've learned a few a few lessons and. Uh, and maybe taking on board some comments, you know, and uh, we're a bit wiser now because because of what we've what we've been through and learned and all the rest of it. So now we, uh, you know, we don't mind doing things because again, it's expensive watching England yeah. uh, away and World Cups and tickets and all the rest of it. So if that helps helps us get to the games and helps fund the tickets and whatever, then you know that's that's the way we look at it. And if we can have a laugh on the way, then even better. That is the philosophy. It's as simple as that. Of course, of course. I mean, and you certainly do have a lot of fun. Um, but I mean, you, you mentioned sort of the maybe the, the negative comments that that do come your way. How, how do you deal with those? Because I mean, I'm sure you must think, are, are we are we really doing the right thing here? Uh, do people do people like us? Do people get what we're trying to do? Yeah. Well, we um, when we first started. Obviously, no social media, but when social media came on, uh, we, we got quite hurt by it because, you know, we are genuine fans. We, are, we we do it for the right reasons. It's driven by passion. And, you know, we speak to occasionally when you get a chance to speak to players and things, they all say, you know, yeah, you know, when when it's, when they can hear the, the sort of drums banging on and the crowd going and the fans and everything, it gives them a boost. And that's good enough for us, you know, so that's, that's fine. So we... We know that it's appreciated by the team and the majority of fans, but then you get the the odd one, and it did it did uh, hurt at first. But then you realise that, especially with social media, you know, usually it's it's guys who aren't there. They're not at the game for a start because we don't get any. We used to call them dissenters. Right. 
in the, in the crowd. And at first you got a few dissenters and all it is in, in a live situation is a, it's a test really. It's like, like anyone, anything on the terraces, you know, it's, it's a bit of banter and all the rest of it. And it's just a test, you know, I'm going to see if these guys are, are genuine and if they are up for a crack and all the rest of it. And, and we are, and we've, we've got brilliant comebacks, <laughs> even if I say so myself. Yeah. But more recently, and I say more recently, like probably last 10 years or whatever, if it ever happens live, and it, and it, it genuinely doesn't happen live, but if it did, the fans around us are the ones that are doing the banter and, and getting back at the, the guy or whoever that's, that's shouted and had a go. And that now happens on social media. You know, it's, it's usually people who don't go to the games. They sat at home watching the game in their armchair and they, they've, uh, you know, they've got the sound on and they can hear a drum and, and it's really upset them. Well, get to the game, you know, yeah. or turn your sound down, one of those. It's, it's as simple as that. And, it, and we, we don't get affected by it at all. I'm not on Twitter. I'm on Facebook. Uh, Murray, the other sort of diehard with us, he, he's on Twitter. But once you realise that that's the situation, you know, it's just, and and like I said before, the size of the England support is massive. You, you can't please everyone. Uh, but one thing we can see is once people get to know us and get to know what we like, there's no problem at all. I mean, I, I've sat next to people on uh, on planes on the way to away games. Never said a word about what, you know, that we're in the band or whatever it is. There was a guy recently, uh, Tony from West Ham, and uh, chatting away and, and having a right laugh and uh, on the way back even better. And then he, he sort of twigged. He says, he says well, you're, you're in the band, aren't you? I says, yeah, yeah, yeah. He says, well, you're all right. <laughs> I, says, I says, you know what, funnily enough, we are all right, Tony. He says, well, I can see that. He says, I know that now, you know, all the rest of it. And it's just a simply a case of, a case of that. And... We've done it ourselves, you know. You mentioned these. Not that we're we class ourselves as a celebrity, but when we've met, we, we were on uh, Richard and Judy years ago. All oh, right. And, um, Never thought Richard and Judy had been mentioned on this podcast. Well, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and Richard was great, and Judy wasn't so good. Um, okay. But she, you know, well, you we only meet them for fifteen minutes, and she had she had an off day. But you don't realise until you actually meet someone what they're like. And uh, what what drives them and all the rest of it. So pre preconceptions of anybody now is something I I just don't do. You know, just just take people as what you how you find them. We we do it. You won't do it for this long if you weren't genuine with those twenty five years. You know, travelling and following the team and all the rest of it and, and having great times and bad times and everything else, just like everybody else. And and we wouldn't last on that terrace if we weren't right. The England fans would not have us on that terrace. It's as simple as that. Yeah, yeah, very true. I mean, whilst you are on the terrace and and standing at the back of of Wembley up against the wall there, how do you decide what to play, when to play it, maybe when when supporters are getting a a chant going? I mean, there there has been talk of the the band over over play us chanting and, and other things like that how do you decide or how does it work with you guys standing there your, your cue to play yeah well it's um it's usually uh well it's, it's spontaneous for a start mm. uh, and it's just like any other fan who starts a chant who has the the biggest mouth we have the biggest mouth with the with the instruments you know and you just know when to when to play and when not to play which is i mean i hinted about getting proper musicians in which we never sought to get them in. They just happened to be 
and they've no idea uh, when to start a chant, you know, um, and it's happened in club football where they've got, you know, they decided to get some trained musicians, no idea what to do. The only one, th- one song that we play, and you'll be familiar with that, is uh, is the national anthem at the beginning of the second half. Yes. Everybody knows that's, and that's sort of the fans version of the national anthem by the fans from the fans. Second half, that's the only thing that, that we do that's, you know, pre-planned. Yeah. Everything else it depends on what happens on the pitch and what goes on. And we we never, ever purposely play over any other chant at all. There's there's a few exceptions there, uh, but if we think something is aggressive, foul abusive, racist even, which, again, uh, doesn't happen from in England fans anymore. No. It, it's, it just doesn't happen. Then we might decide to just play something else more positive, but as far as you know, if we if we hear anybody else starting a chant, we want to en- encourage that chant because it's support for the team. You know, there's no, there's no way we will ever play over anything uh, on purpose. Uh, the only the only occasion would be if we've not heard it, and that can happen because you can start a chant at the same time. Yeah. You know, one in one section, one in another, and and uh, that's it's just not the case. You know, we don't ever purposely play over. Any other fan trying to trying to you know start a chant, yeah. um, you know. Then our mate Tango um, oh, yeah. starts a load of chants, you know, and he'll start them and we'll join in and, and try and boost it. And that's that's what we generally try and do, you know. If we hear a chant going, we'll try and join in and 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 give it a boost, or obviously start start our own if there's nothing going, or if we feel like the team needs a a bit of a boost or, you know, if we've just conceded there's certain songs you might play and if we've scored, there's others, you know, play and everything else. Uh, So, yeah, yeah, we, uh, you know, we're in it together. That's a, you know, it's a bit of a, bit of a cliche, isn't it? But we are, we are in it together. It's, uh, it's as simple as that. I did read, I don't know if this one's true, um, but you've never played or or you won't play three lines. Is that true? No, it's not true. No. Uh, And anybody who, uh, Anybody who went to Russia will know that for a fact, you know, and you can you can check it out. But David Badil said it. He, he said it. We bumped into him in Japan at something. Uh, I can't remember what it was. I have another bizarre thing. We're watching watching a game and there's David Badil and Nick Hancock there. Yeah. And he said, how come you never play Three Lions, you know? And we didn't play it a lot in the early days. We, we we didn't, but we now do because it's be, it wasn't it wasn't adopted by the fans initially. It was a great song and is a great song, fabulous. You know, one, in fact, probably the best record ever in there about England. And we didn't, but we do now, and we did in Russia, and we we do before. We'll play anything that's positive, and and fans join in with. It's as simple as that. Yeah, and uh, and they do now with with Three Lions. We're now speaking. Middle of November, we're we're in actually in the the middle of an international break. We've just played Ireland. We've got Belgium coming up. What's it like sitting at home? Is, does your is your trumpet sitting next to you? Do you, do you oh, trumpet yeah. on the sofa, as it were? <laughs> <laughs> I did think about that, but I thought no, that's a bit sad. Um, but the first the first games, you know, I mean, first ones we've missed for for like twenty odd years. It was uh, it was a bit of a wrench, to be honest, because. We 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 love it so much the travelling and the team and the fans and the banter and everything else, and it's just been taken away from everybody, hasn't it? And it's, yeah. it's so gutting. And 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 like you say, at the moment, you know, we, we've been going to Iceland uh, for the first time, 
to get revenge for the worst England game I've ever seen. And and all the other trips as well, you know, Belgium, we'd, we'd hop on and, and through the tunnel and away and, and fantastic trips all taken away. And it's just, uh, it is gut-wrenching and, and can't wait to get back and back at it like, like everybody else, I'm sure. Yeah, hoping that the uh, the March games come the World Cup qualifiers will uh, will all be there. Have you met Gareth Southgate? No, no, you haven't. So, do you no, know his, no. his opinions um, on the band? Sorry, do you is, know his, his opinion? opinion? No, uh, we we met the Gareth Southgate looky likey in yes. Russia. <laughs> <laughs> he sort of he sort of sort us out, and uh, he, he figured that if if he got near us, he might get on telly, and he did. He's always all he was all right as well. Yeah. Um, but no, we um, we sort of don't get in, don't really get in touch with the players um, as you know normal fans don't get in no. touch with the players, do you? Uh, and there's no access and no you know no reason uh, whatever you know to speak to him or there's no there's no line of contact at all. We do speak to the travel club people and things yeah. like that, but not not the players and not not Gareth Southgate. Yeah. Okay. We uh, we once went to uh, I think. Ten years in, we had a, a trip to watch him train when it was um, uh, McLaren, who was manager, and uh, met them and saw him training. Uh, sometimes you see these draws, you know, about, you know, can you enter the draw to see him training? And uh, they invited us down, and that was that was interesting. But I'm, I'm not that bothered about meeting meeting the players. <laughs> it's, I don't know why. I'd rather see him performing on the pitch and... Uh, and, and scoring goals and doing the business and yeah. and and great, you know. I mean, there's sometimes a, a phrase, a old Chinese proverb that say, "Don't meet your gilt-edged heroes because sometimes the guilt falls off." Ah. So you're sometimes better off, you know, seeing everybody as footballers and doing it, and uh, and away you go. The the book playing for England. Um, I mean, it, it does say that. Wait, well, it takes us up to about 2000, early 2001. Are you any plans to to do another one? I think it's inevitable. It's not happened yet, and it's not in progress or whatever. Right. And one of the reasons I think was that to make it a success, you've got to have backing. It's like the records; uh, you've got to have an awful lot of backing from a publisher, and that, that sort of makes it a success. So I've got to question myself as to why I'm why I want to write it. It was the first one's just a record of of the funny stories and and feelings of winning and losing and all the rest of it. Um, and the second one, you know, prob- probably would be the same. But if it was, if it was picked up by a publisher, that would probably give give me a spur to do it. And if not, it'll happen one day. It's one of those things. I mean, we, we did also have a playwright called Alan Plater who wrote through the through the Coal House door, and he he got commissioned by Yorkshire Telly to do a, a comedy series about us, which would be a cross, a perfect cross between um, and a film. A film would be like this as well. And it might help listeners to explain out what we like. If you've seen the Full Monty, yes, and you've seen Brassed Off, and you've seen Fever Pitch, and you merge the whole three the three films together, you get us. It's as it's as simple as that. And and he'd sort of cottoned on to this, and he'd written this comedy series, like I say, commissioned by Yorkshire TV, and then he unfortunately died um, a few years ago. All right. So that that's somewhere in the archives and and not happened. But that that would be a that film would be a scream if it was true to what has happened over the years. It would be it would be hilarious. But yeah, the book the book probably will happen maybe in retirement or something like that. Well, I mean, you you say retirement. How 
how long does do you see the band continuing? Well, like I said, we had a, a, you know Bram Bram Denton who was our saxophonist died and he died at ninety, and he was still uh, he was still going to the games up till he was eighty eight. So uh, I mean, <laughs> it's all right saying it, and you know might not even be here at eighty eight, but uh, we'll go as long as we as long as we can, and as long as we're driven by the passion, which that flame's not dying. It's as simple as that. Uh, so yeah, we'll, we'll we'll be keeping going for as long as possible. Another one uh, we do the women as well now. Oh, do you? Yeah, and we did the uh, the World Cup in in France yeah. last year. Fantastic! Mm. <laughs> it's just brilliant, honestly. Completely different to the men's, uh, but really, really good. Really good in all kinds of different reasons. Yeah. Uh, but really, really fantastic experience. You know, you go to the women's games. After the game, they walk around and sign autographs and have selfies and stuff like that. You just can't imagine it with the men. Different crowd altogether, but great. The crowds are so enthusiastic because yeah. uh, a lot of them, it's the first game, first time they've been because they can go and they feel safe. And again, they've got preconceptions of, uh, of football crowds, wrongly or rightly. They, they all think they're going to hear swearing and get beaten up and all the rest of it. Uh, and they know with the women's game, they, they, they can go and relax and no problems and, and be as enthusiastic as they want. So as far as we're concerned, the response is just awesome. <laughs> John, thank you very much for your time. And and when uh, when we're all allowed back in, it'd be good to say hello rather yeah. than on a screen. Well, please please do, yeah. And uh, and same with everybody else. You know, when, when people contact us on social media, we always say, you know, come up and, come up and say hello. Yeah, we do, we absolutely just like any other fan on the terrace. I mean, get ready for a bit of banter, but you, but it's just the same as anybody else. Come and say hello, and uh, you know we've got all the mates around us as well. And it's uh, yeah, it's just one big happy family. Like I say, we're all in it together. Thank you as always for listening and if you think you know of someone who would enjoy listening to it why not tell them about it you can find the podcast on social media twitter facebook and instagram just search three lions podcast or if you'd like to drop me a line on email three lions podcast at gmail.com always good to hear from you and you can find all the older episodes at three lions or your chosen podcast provider And if there's an option to leave a review, it's always appreciated. Leave it what you think it deserves. Thank you very much to John for his time. They're very much appreciated. I hope you've enjoyed it. Perhaps like me, your opinion may have changed slightly. I don't know. Maybe the next time you see the guys, give them a nod and a wave. Maybe tell them you heard the podcast. And I did mention John's book. It's called Playing for England. The Early Years by John Hemingham. And you can still pick it up on the likes of Amazon. It's an easy read, just how we like them. And the amount we've spoken about the band, yet we've not heard a note played. So, to play us out, the England Band. Cheers. Cheers.